You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode 10 of the Red 78, your go-to podcast for everything monster rugby here on the Rugby Channel with me, Alan Quinlan, and as always, Neve Briggs. 10 episodes in, Neve. Can you believe we've done 10 so far? <laughs> I can't flying. believe I can't flying. believe it. It's been great. Yeah, well, listen, don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on all things monster. You can tweet us at the Rugby Channel or search the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. Uh, to subscribe to the podcast, just search the Red 78 and you get the podcast straight to your phone every week. Now, Neve, down to the real business. We're, we're complaining for a couple of weeks. We hadn't a lot to talk about, but Munster in Wasps at the weekend. Uh, they've done the unthinkable, really. And this morning, the news has come out that uh, Johan van Graan is not is leaving Munster at the end of the season. So, bit of a bombshell, really, with that one. But I suppose it was on the cards in the first couple of weeks and uh, in the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about um, the match in a few minutes, but. Johan, really, that's the, the the big news story, isn't it, this morning? And um, some people would be surprised, but I suppose the indecision in the last few weeks and him not signing that contract put the whole thing in doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I think when Steve Arkin came out and said he was going home, I think that kind of put a, a few heads in terms of, you know, well, is Van Grand going to sign? And I think... Um, yeah, look, you just you've got to be gutted. I think gutted for the players. Um, I think the coaching where you go around in Munster is um doesn't offer stability. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the direction that they go. But um, to be fair, um, I know some people will have and 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 everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I think Van Grandson quite a good job with this group of players that he's had and um. Yeah, look, I just think you've got to be a little bit gutted if you're a player knowing that uh, two of your coaches are heading off the end of the season. Yeah, it uh, throws things in, in, in a bit of doubt, I suppose. Look, if we look back at, at, at Johan's tenure with Munster, um, and I think one of the reasons, look, and I've said this about coaches as well as players, as players, you get opportunities, you get contacted by other clubs, your agent gets phone calls, he rings you, particularly when it's coming up to renewing your contract. So coaches are no different and they have to look after what's best for themselves, whether you like it or not. Um, Johan hasn't won a trophy. Munster haven't won a trophy since 2011. They came close on a couple of occasions. That final last year ended up being very disappointing against Leinster, probably the performance. But I think he's a good guy. I've had dealings with him um, very well, very re- well respected guy um, but there's there's this expectation and pressure with Munster and, and I have a feeling that Johan hasn't felt the love from outside the group I think from what I hear internally the players he's very popular with the players there's a good good morale even though they've had to take a lot of ups and downs in the last couple of years um, maybe it's outside the outside influence and what Johan himself is feeling has made this decision um, the Munster fans are renowned for being wonderful fans and brilliant supporters of the team, going right back to my time. But they're pretty demanding as well and, and impatient, I think. And that impatience has increased in the last number of years, hasn't it? It has. I think I think a lot to do when you're looking across the, 
the province borderlines and you're seeing what Leinster are doing and how the type of game, you know, the game that they play. Um, it's it can be easier on the eye at times, and um, and I think that you know from a supporter's point of view, you know, you want to you want to try and win as many trophies or as you know be up there with the Lancers. But I think to be fair, you know, this group of players probably this year maybe, but and a little bit of last year. But I think that there was a, a time there when that group of players, you know, Europe has gone so tough. And Quinny, we've spoken about this so many times about how difficult it is to win a trophy, especially in Europe. And when you're up against the likes of the teams, the French teams that can pay huge amount of wages and they can attract players from all over the world, um, it can be really difficult to compete with that. And I just think that, um, you know, Munster ceiling the last few years probably was in around that semi-final part. I think that's probably, you know, and might not be a proper thing to say, but I just think that when you're up against the likes of the Racings, the La Rochelles, the Toulouse's, you know, they're so stacked, not from 1 to 15, but from 1 to 30. And I think that um, it's been really difficult for the Irish provinces to be able to compete with that. And, and Munster have been no different. And Saracens as well have been yeah, very, very dominant. Munster have lost a couple of semifinals. So there's been three European semifinals that um, Munster have lost under Johan and a couple of semifinals in the Pro 14 and that final last year. And um, so they've come close, but is maybe people talk about the coaching and I think a little bit of frustration about maybe the type of game that Munster have played um, and maybe kicking and and the defensive approach. And maybe it's, you talk about DNA for coaches and their philosophies and stuff. And look, being respectful, I think, you know, the South African approach is more kick the ball and more defensive and more pressure on the opposition and try and use your brute force and strength. And maybe Munster have not fulfilled what he wanted out of them. I think under Rassi, Erasmus and Jack Nienenberg, they obviously... I think Johan had probably a better quality and more depth in his squads, but under Rassi and and Jack Nienemar and even under Axel, I think there was there was issues around the quality and depth in the squad. And you know, when Rassi kind of put his stamp on the team, they became very hard team to beat, very effective with their kicking game, their box kicking, their pressure in the opposition. And that got them to semi-final status as well. And I remember that game they lost in the Aviva in 16-17 against, against uh, Saracens. It was it, they just there was a gulf in the in the difference, even though Saracens themselves kicked the ball a lot. And that final against Scarlets, where Scarlets in the Pro 14, where Scarlets just really opened Munster up and 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 um demolished him on the day in the final. I think there's a certain level of 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 um that type of game that we've seen a change in the last 18 months. And I think we've seen the adaptability maybe and, and maybe the need for change in the way Munster are, are playing. And we've seen glimpses of it. I think back to Clermont last year, you know, they're 19 points down in Europe and the way they, they chase the game and their execution, some of the tries they scored were brilliant. And maybe that's part of the reason why Johan is leaving, that he's feeling, look, this is a critical moment for him as a coach. Um, He'll be here five years this year at the end of this season. Hasn't won a trophy. If he stays for another two and doesn't win a trophy, that's seven years in a club 
that maybe people are not happy about, that there's rumblings and I have a chance now to go somewhere else, get a three, four year contract somewhere and, and, and maybe start, start afresh. Yeah, that could be it too. I think sometimes as a coach, you know, if you're dealing with the same players week in, week out, you know, can lose, maybe it's, you can lose the message a little bit along the way. I 100% agree with you. I think in the last 18 months, maybe that's the Steve Larkin effect coming in and, and Graham Rountree too, that they're definitely trying to play a different way. It's just been, they've been ingrained from, for so long. From, from, from what I've heard, um, you know, the, the, the Rassi way and even the Johan way to start, I think he's, he changed and, and he kind of handed the reins over to Stephen Larkham, who probably wanted to kick a lot himself. And look, kicking is a very important part of the game. But the issues maybe that I would have had in the last couple of years is maybe when we're chasing a game. If you're ahead and you're winning and you're a coach yourself, if your team are winning and you score two or three mall tries and you're, you're leading by 10, 15 points, well, no problem. Kick the letter off it, be boring, just grind the, the life out of the opposition. And even the supporters don't mind that, but it's probably when you're chasing the game. And I think Munster have been in positions where it's been unfamiliar with them, i.e. when they're chasing a game, it's not something they're naturally doing, um, particularly off phase and the shape and all that kind of stuff. So I think that we've seen a, a, some evolution there and I'm kind of disappointed because I really I like Johan and I really think that there's obviously with what happened in Was and the young fellas that have come out in the last few weeks have kind of galvanised the group. And it's a shame that, you know, hopefully between now and the end of the season, they can put them in themselves in a position to win something, either Pro 14 or Europe. Um, big ask, of course, as you say, with Leinster being, the, uh, you know, so powerful. And, and then Europe, you're, you're, it's luck of the draw and you're playing powerhouses there, big budgets. Um, so I kind of feel sorry in a sense that he's not going to be there because he kind of handed the reins over to Stephen, Stephen Larkin. Yeah, I, th- I, I agree. I think for me, um, going back as far as the Scarlet's game in the URC, I, you know, even the first couple of games you're looking at, you know, get the Stormers and that, you know, John Ryan tipping the ball onto Archer and, uh, um, and we're now seeing this little bit of an evolution that we probably wouldn't have seen before. I think... Um, I got excited, very excited after the Scarlet's game because you can see what they they're they're trying to do. I think that the Wasps game the weekend is another kind of um, continuation of that in terms of looking to move the ball, looking to move the space back in the skills. And I thought it was really good. I don't know if you listened to any of Billy Holland's interviews last week because he was after being awarded um, the Tom Rooney Award last week from the Rugby Riders. I think he spoke about how Larkham. The, you know, for the first time ever, the forwards were doing stuff like catch pass, decision making, putting themselves into positions where they're comfortable on the ball. And I think that's probably what's been missing the last few years. Well, hold on, hold on a minute, Nave. I try. I've seen you trying to pass play, the ball for play, players. Um, players need to be comfortable on the ball, and I think look, sometimes it is down to personnel. No matter how good the coach is, if certain guys are not footballers, 20, it's not natural. Completely. To them. But what I'm trying to say to you is that. During Razzie's time and at the start of Van Grant's time, maybe that wasn't the focus. The focus was on unit work. The focus was on defensive work, whereas now it's about the, the, the whole game. And I think, you know, it was interesting to hear Billy Holland say that during the week. And I think that, that we're starting to see that now. We're starting to see, you know, that Wasps game, Omani flinging offloads and five and six meter passes, you know, going back to what they're good at. And this is the big thing about coaching, I think, is that you're not looking at, you know, what way you want to play. 
you've got to find what way suits the best for this group. Are they good? Are they mobile completely? This pack, this this monster pack are incredibly mobile. So let's work them around the park. Let's work teams around the park and find a way that we can break teams down by playing the way that suits us as opposed to what suits other teams. And I think that that's why I'm disappointed this morning because I felt like they were starting to do that. I think through Larkham and Roundtree and Van Gran, we were starting to see them finding a way to move players, teams around the pitch to be able to, to, to find what they're good at too and back but, their skills. But, but finding a way, of course, I agree. And um, is, there, is it just a case of that Johan has made a decision here that, look, you're kind of rolling the dice here to win the Pro 14 or win in Europe. Is it, is it no matter what Munster do, no matter what way they play, it's, it's a big step. It's, yeah. you're, you're going against... Um, you know, like I say, Leinster, and we know that, and unfortunately we have to keep mentioning Leinster from, from a Munster point of view, but they're hard to beat. They're, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of the, uh, most of the internationals. So, so do Munster well, now, is what I know, I'm going to say but, on the back Yeah, of, of course. Is that, is that the difference, though? Is that the difference, that it's the way we play? And if we attack, 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 and get really good at our attack between now and the end of the season... Does that put us in a better place, a better chance of winning a trophy? Or are we still a kind of step away from that that very top level of the top three or four in Europe? Are we still under that the top four or five in I Europe? Don't, I don't think it's a case of just going attack, attack, attack. I think it's a case that you find... Like you, you notice, like when you're playing at that level, everything is about confidence. It's about being comfortable. It's about being able to do things that you could do in your sleep. And I think that... Munster have started over the last, since the start of the season for me, have started to get into a type of a, a game plan or a structure where they feel, I, when I look at them, I look, they look really comfortable about what they're doing. Yeah, but my, I think point, that, my point here is, uh, Johan even kind of indicated this in his statement that maybe it's best for Munster that he's kind of saying that he's brought them to a point now that, you know. And, I, and fair play to him. Like, and I agree with you. He's, he's, been an absolute gentleman anytime I've met him in terms of he's been incredibly supportive of the women's game he's come in and spoken to the women's team the last two seasons um, and anytime you meet him he's very interested in the women's game and 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 for me as a coach like incredibly open and um, so like you you are sorry to see him go and, and if he feels that you know this is he's brought them as far as he can well it's very brave then for him to turn around and say, look, I've brought you as far as I can, but I, I do still feel like that there's there's more in this group and more in this coaching ticket. This could go two ways now uh, for you, and I hope it goes in a really positive way, and I'd love for you know the Munster fans to give him a great send-off at the end of the season, and the players. I think the mood in the camp and the morale can only be enhanced by what happened in the last couple of weeks, um, and there's no guarantee, so... The danger with coach, head coach particularly uh, announcing they're moving, um, obviously from a monster point of view, gives them some time and they have clarity on this now. Stephen Larkham, they've an assistant coach to replace and a head coach. Um, it can go both ways. Players can drop their standard a little bit. They can It can have a, a positive effect or a negative effect. I don't know. So it's, it's, you're kind of in risky territory, but you have to know in time. And this is just the reality of the professional game. And I think what Johan has done, he's done what a player has done. He's worked things out as best for him. And um, like, I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen, 
I would have liked to have seen the last step. I think there's one more step I agree, in, yes. in this man. And um, he's very, very popular for anyone who's ever met him. But there is a, 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 a critique or a criticism outside of the group. Um, some of it justified, some of it a little bit strong just, at times. Yeah, uh, I just... But, but I think it'd be brilliant if he can finish in a high. And he's honest and he's decent, he's straight up. So, and I know, think this group of players, especially, they won't let their standards drop. Yeah, no let's way. hope so. Let's They're hope way too to good do. for that. Um, ca- candidates for this job, it's difficult because you're kind of two years out from a World Cup and um, regarding international level and then, you know, club coaches who've, who've uh, you know, contracts signed and stuff like that um, in, this, in, the, in this recent cycle. Um, I was looking back in the coaches that, have, have, that I've been involved in and I've been involved in Munster, Declan Kidney, Alan Gaffney, Tony McGahan, Rob Penny, Anthony Foley, Rassi Erasmus, Johan Van Gran. There's, there's been a lot of change there in the last number of years. So I think this, this next appointment, we keep saying every appointment, is, it is really important. It is a big job and it will interest a lot of people throughout the world. Do Munster need to go outside the group? Because one obvious candidate who's been there for a couple of years, he's moved his family over from the UK, bought a house, loves the club. Um, I like him. I played against him. Now that's Graham Roundtree. He's a bit of an old school approach that has been involved in the modern game. He's been a forwards coach with Quinns, uh, the British and Irish Lions, England, Leicester, Georgia in recent years. And um, is he someone that could be a candidate to, to just keep it this transition fairly smooth and, and take the head coach role? And then obviously you, you need some assistant coaches with 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 with, with uh, Larkin leaving as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he definitely relish it. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's very different. It's very, very different to go from um, a unit um, coach, like a forwards coach or a defence coach, or into a head coaching role. You're dealing with a huge amount. I wonder when Munster go down the route of <clears throat> keeping in Roundtree, obviously, because I think he's brilliant, bringing in two more coaches and then having a director of rugby that's going to deal with everything off the pitch and allow then those coaches just to focus all their time and effort onto the pitch. And I think that maybe, you know, I've no doubt Van Graan probably struggled in that sense because I think it's really difficult with everything that's going on off the pitch to try and get clarity and, and understand that your main job is on, on the pitch. But when there's so much going on off it, it can be hard to separate it, I've no doubt. So um, I'd love to see him go down a route of director of rugby type of a role um, filter down then to maybe three or four coaches, whatever it needs to be. They all have a role, obviously, and they're all very important, but they just filter back up to that director of rugby who can take the pressure off everybody. And if that's the case, well, then maybe maybe a head coach role will completely suit Roundtree, but I, I do think it's important he stays. Yeah, well, I think he's signed up and uh, he is has committed, which is important. And look, I, I think he's the obvious choice for me. Um, very simple, easy choice, appointing his head coach, bring in some... Some coaches that that underneath. Um, obviously, if he stepped up, you'd probably have to get a forwards coach, and we know that a backs coach has to be got as well. Um, I've heard talk of a director of rugby, and I think that's something that 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 um, is really important. I think, um, particularly to try and nurture all the good stuff that's happening and happens, and these young players. But there is a lot to there's a lot of pressure on on coaches and. Uh, for Munster just to try and get some continuity and hopefully this can get sorted out really quick. Obvious candidates worldwide are Scott Robertson, 
uh, Tony Brown, these kind of guys, Wayne Smith. But I think you're you're changing a lot there by bringing them in. Maybe Munster go outside and they get the best coach they can in the world. But I think there's one sitting right in there in amongst them at the moment in Graham Rountree. And I think he could be the man to to, to take the, the club forward and then get some very good coaches. There I say Declan Kidney, he'd be a great uh, director of rugby. I'm, I'm not sure if he wants to keep going in the UK. He's doing a good job with London Irish, but um, someone who knows Munster and has had success with Munster, maybe he, he might be... Uh, might be a great candidate to come back and be a director of rugby there. But look, there's a lot of moving parts to this whole thing and um, it's a big story and uh, it's one that obviously we'll, we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks again and it'll, until we get these appointments. But I think the sooner the better um, that they get these appointments. It's not going to be an easy job, but they've got to get the right people for the job. Um, so look, moving on to... Uh, what we saw at the weekend. You mentioned Billy Holland there and uh, congrats to Billy on the award as well for the work he's doing off the field and since he's retired has been amazing. Um, Billy said last week that he put he nailed his colours to the mass. We didn't. Uh, that Munster would go and have one of the greatest wins I in did. history. You did not. I said they would win. Well, I can't remember that. You have to send me the audio of that. Um, but... You know, you pick up all the Monday pa- the papers on Monday and there's pictures of Munster players and, and on the front of the papers, not on the back. They're on the back as well, of course. It, just give me your thoughts on that and, and what is... Sum up the whole craziness of the situation. Yeah, look, I was incredibly giddy after the match. I was um, so proud as a Munster supporter to, to, to witness that and see... Um, I thought it was an unbelievable performance. Um, I thought, um, obviously, you know, you're always going to wonder if those young guys could step up more than capable of doing it. And um, to see them shine on that level was brilliant. But um, couple that with the likes of O'Mahony being absolutely outstanding, tight burn, literally dragging people through the game. And um, Carberry, you know, going about his business, Earls. Like, it was just a brilliant performance. And, it was the way they played. They went after the game and I thought that was so, so good. And um, they just literally didn't give Wasps a sniff. And um, at, at times I thought it was like a kind of a barbarians kind of sevens game. The ball was so open and it was literally just like, let's go and have a crack. And I thought, look, that's not going to be the way every game I get it. But for what it was last weekend, I thought it was brilliant. And yeah, I think that for me, what it does is the lift that will give that group the group that are sitting at home, unfortunately, at the moment, and and the group that played, I think, well, you know, they rock into that review on Monday morning, and rightly so, um, are delighted with how it went, but also wondering, are they going to shot this weekend? And I think that that's where this group need to go. You need to have that amount of players that can play and perform at that level in order to push you to that next level. So Munster were missing 34 players, given everything that happened with COVID in South Africa and two groups a uh, number of quarantine in South Africa, a number came home, they had to quarantine here. So they're missing 34 players. Um, Wasps were missing 18 through injury before the game. So like, you know, 18 injuries, not every one of those players are going to start anyway. So we they were missing some big names, Dan Robson, Launchbury, Fekitoa, Fafita, real bruisers here. Okay, so 
then before the game, a couple of hours before the game, which kind of um, put the game in doubt, was a COVID outbreak. Um, they end up losing four starters and one off the bench. So they're, we say they're up to 23. Did it, did it kind of balance itself out a little bit? Because I, I kind of, part of that was kind of the sympathy and the kind of empathy turned to wasps, that it was poor wasps and, you know, kind of Munster situation was forgotten, really. Now, we have to say Munster had nine international starting, so they weren't in the worst position, no matter what happened, even if wasps had a full team here. They still had nine internationals. But their kind of situation of bringing uh, all these debutants, um, guys who had never played for Munster, the only kids really, into the group with that nine, did it, did it kind of balance itself out a little bit? I still think Munster were in a, a less position than Wasps. Uh, but it was kind of crazy, the whole situation, wasn't it? And I, I, I just found myself last week saying, of course, there's a the bit of fire in me thinking, yeah, I'd love to be in that situation. But I just kind of couldn't bring myself to say that Munster are going to win this game because you'd be kind of in a, a, a crazy to think that. Um, did it kind of balance itself out a bit with the COVID situation with Wasps? Maybe, yeah. No, I think when you look at who Wasps brought in, uh, Nazim Carr on, on, in flank, quality, quality, senior rugby player. Tom Youngs came in. Uh, Le in 12. Um, they had good players coming in and I know that definitely they were, you know, reaching down to their doldrums. But I think for Munster to have so many, it was the debutants, it was the young lads who had never played senior rugby before at that level. I think that that was, that was the reason why you were, you know, we got so excited about Munster as opposed to feeling sorry for Wasps. And I didn't really feel sorry for Wasps, to be honest. I was um, just literally so happy for those guys to see them not just perform, but excel at that level. Like they were outstanding from Buckley at hooker, Owen O'Connor in second row, um, like just threw themselves about and um, Pat Campbell and, you know, these guys, they're there now. Like they've launched themselves onto this platform. And, and if, if you're going back to training this week in the HBC, you're thinking deep down, like, give me another shot. Give me another shot. Like I want another go of this. Like you're feeding off, of what that was. And um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. I think, um, Jesus, so many good points. So Quinny, like, whatever about the players, like Omani's, Omani's chase back. Five five debutants, um, Patrick Campbell, um, Scott Buckley, James French, Owen O'Connor, and Daniel Okeke. Does five debutants start? John Hodnett, has played no rugby in 12 months. He had an Achilles injury. So um, Chris Farrell is out for a number of months. He hasn't played this season with, with injury. Um, Dave Kilcoyne hasn't played in four or five weeks. Some of these players have played no rugby in a long time. So even though you had the nine internationals going out there, I think you still had a lot of uh, a really tough situation for people. I thought Chris Farrell stepping up like that and, when you're coming back from injury, you want to kind of get some minutes under your belt, even with the club, or, or to have to play that game and step up. Roman Salano comes onto the bench. He's been injured for a number of months. And then the rest of them are, have never been, never played. So it's it's incredible to think. Um, the red card, 
what was your take on that? It was probably the defi- it really kind of de- deflated Was. I think psychologically, even though Was looked dangerous at times and they got a brilliant try from Alfie Barbary after he was sent off, it looked like the towel was thrown in at that stage. Just their body language changed and they kept fighting for sure. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit harsh. I thought it was a little bit harsh. Um, I felt that... I definitely thought it was a penalty. Um, I think you could go as far as the yellow card. I just think that Dave Kakoin was dipped into that as himself. And um, and it was more the first tackler that affected him, his body positioning. Um, so, you know, he, he gets tackled and he tries to power out of that tackle. And as he's powering out of the tackle, uh, Brad Shields comes in. So, But the way the game has gone, you're talking head contact with a shoulder, you know, you're. it's very difficult to try and find ways, but I, I do think that um, from a wasp perspective, you'd be a little bit disappointed with that. My my take on, on the red card is, um, if it was a yellow, would we be jumping up and down saying it should have been a red? No, but I think it was a red. And I think the problem for Brad Shields here is it's that last surge forward and that last bit of force that he puts into it. Um, and that's the risk for players nowadays continually. Um, that if they, if they, if they kind of that last movement, if it's a drive forward and there's force in it, you, 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 you're in the lap of the gods. You just don't know what's going to happen, and you've got to more accept that tackle. And if he put, if he, if Dave Kilcoin hits his shoulder, and he's the last forward move, movement, um, that's your mitigation straight away. But I think Brad Force just come Brad. Shields just comes forward with that force at the end, um, so it was it was it was harsh. But I it was think just it a was pity. A, but yeah, it was yeah, a pity. And I, I, I said to you there, I, I can I can totally see why it's, it, it is a red. He's a hell of a player. He's a hell mm. of a player, Brad Shields. I think, and he was a big loss to us. And they they looked um, their body language changed there. And then just before half time, we have. Uh, um, Owen O'Connor blocks down the the wasp number nine, Sam Wilson home and picks it up, pops the, to Ty Byrne, and then he nearly gets to the line. And I think it was uh, Dan Frost, it was Dan Frost, the wasp hooker, who just comes in from the, totally the wrong side, kills the ball. He gets put in the bin. That's kind of game over for me because that's the 10 minutes. And I was looking to think, would Munster be ruthless now and go for this for this 10 minutes after half time? And they were. I think the, I think they actually made a mistake in in, uh, in tapping the penalty just before half time. They should have went for a scrum. Even though their scrum was under pressure, it would have been eight against six there. And I think they would have almost certainly scored a try. So I thought that was an opportunity lost. But the way they came out in the second half, and they got fortune as well, didn't they, with Keith Earl's try? And then Andrew Conway, the loose pass. But um, you make your own luck with your intensity, I suppose, and your effort levels. And, and uh, the, the stars were aligning for Munster here. But the Patrick Campbell try was a really special moment for him. And it was a brilliant try. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought there was... I know you're talking about luck and, and making your own luck. I just think that the pressure that that Munster line speed put on Wasps just didn't allow them any room to breathe. I think, obviously, they had that, you know, Tom Young's uh, break in the first couple of minutes. Brilliant, brilliant chase back by Omani. But I think that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game that Munster are telling Wasps, like, you're not going to get anything easy here. Like, that would have been 
you know, oh man, he doesn't make that, then you know that that's a different face. You know, you're five or seven minutes or points down two minutes into the game, and you're trying to chase that score back. So I just thought they were really astute in terms of picking their points when they needed to in terms of their penalties. But yeah, yeah, look, brilliant move, Patrick Campbell, the acceleration, the confidence to go for that, the little show and go, and he's gone. He's been doing that week in, week out for Young Monsters. And um, to see him to be able to back himself to do that in this moment um, of a Champions Cup, um, your Munster debut um, was brilliant. Really good. Yeah, your debut in Munster for Munster is in, in a European game. Uh, it's incredible. Scott Buckley as well. The try and the performance, his lineouts, play around the field. Um, really special for him scoring the try as well. Yeah, and it was funny, you know, when they... They panned to him in the crowd. I don't know if you saw it. The announced player, and he looks like a child. To be fair to him, like the three of them sitting there beside each other, you know himself, Pat Campbell, and, and Owen O'Connor. Um, three debuts, three brilliant performances from 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 them, and um, and they're just giddy. You can see it, aren't they? They're just so delighted, and rightly so. I thought, I just thought it was really special, Quinny. I think. You know, I felt over the last maybe year or two that it's been a little bit of disconnect with Munster and our supporters, um, how they're playing. And I just think that a, a game like that can bring it all back together. And everywhere you went on, on Sunday in Limerick, people were talking about and will, will, will it It's important for the clubs as well, because I think the clubs were helpful in this situation and Munster thanked them for that. And maybe there's a bit of unity and togetherness that needs to come back between clubs and, and, and Munster and obviously the people, the fans and the supporters, they're all ingrained and involved in clubs. So it, it, this might be bigger than just bigger that's, than just this win. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I thought it was brilliant. I thought uh, Ian Costello coming out before the game, you're 100% right, thanking the clubs for their for their cooperation. And Because literally they had to go into clubs, you know, on the Monday or Tuesday before AIL last weekend and say, listen, by the way, I know you've selected your squad for this game, but can we not? We're not going to have you're not going to have them. You're not going to have any of our guys training so that they're not outside the COVID bubble, so that we can continue to prepare as one large group. So even though they might not be involved against uh, wasps, they won't be playing AIL. And I think when you're upfront about something like that, and there's constant communication, um, you know, kudos to to Kazi and his coach and stuff. I thought it was um, that would. I think we'll look back at this at the end of the season and see this as a defining moment for this club. Andy Kiriakou as well, who's um, involved in the academy. He was with the forwards, Greg Oliver. So I think they deserve a lot of credit. And they've got that. I think they've, um, you know, for what they've done the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I was over in Dubai a few weeks ago and we were expecting them to go to South Africa. I was over there. We were doing a dinner over there and it all changed very, very quickly. And you're meeting people over there who were just excited about uh, about what Munster means to them and what the DNA is of Munster. And I think it's, you know, the stand up and fight motto was really, really kind of brought to the fore on Sunday. And and it was really special. Um, these young players, you know, I think we obviously mentioned um, Patrick Campbell, Scott Buckley, James French, who struggled a little bit in the scrum, which is understandable because it is a massive step up. But I thought his effort around the field and the carries he made, Owen O'Connor was brilliant as well. Daniel Okeke looked a little bit nervy at the start that he didn't really get much ball in his hand. I think Munster, we probably kicked, they probably kicked a little bit much at times, but saw a couple of big charges for him. I think he's the first 
Limerick people uh, probably don't notice the first Limerick-born player to uh, to play for Munster to debut for Munster in seven or eight years, um, which is I think he's only nineteen and he's know, just he's such a faros. Smashing talent, isn't he? Um, he's he's obviously playing with you, and we got with Shannon came up through the school system with Ard Scorish, and um, yeah. So I just think. Look, there's so much. Mark Donnelly coming off the bench. Yeah, Mark um, Donnelly, John John Ford, and Conor Maloney looked like they wanted to kill someone. It was brilliant. They were just really aggressive. Ethan Cochran is a great picture. I know uh, online of him him uh, years ago getting a picture with Conor Murray and Peter O'Mahony and another one in the dressing room. Tony Butler, really talented, and Jonathan Wren, of course, he's a very talented player. It was brilliant. Okay, uh, my kind of uh, it's not pessimism. It's it's just. Bringing this like down, down a little bit here. Uh, come on, um, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. It's it's a massive, massive moment. Um, lots of people saying it's one of the greatest wins ever, uh, possibly the greatest ever. And, and that's relevant and that can be a fact. There's been so many big games over the years. This, I think, given the circumstances and given the players and the debutants and what they... There's a lot of pressure. Europe is a different week. I've said that. It's pretty close. Okay, Ross had their issues as well, which which made it a little bit easier for him. But I think the way they handled themselves and the way they kind of put on that jersey and wore with pride, it was it was incredible. And hopefully, there's so many other players who were not involved, academy guys and young players who were in South Africa. You could start naming those guys who were a level above these players that debuted on on Sunday. So. It looks like there's a lot of good talent there. The, the, the criticism around young players and bringing young players through has been going on for a good few years. Hopefully this heartens people and gives them the lift that there is some quality young players and that um, they've got to try and be nurtured and brought through now. And uh, maybe you'll see a situation that some of these fellas won't be getting games in a few years and they might want to start moving and going. And, and you could have Leinster's problem that they can't hold on to some of their young talent. But look, it was a brilliant weekend. Um, but they've got to dust themselves off now. I think I always think mentally it's really important now that you put it in perspective, you bag it, and use it obviously for growth for these younger players. A dream come true for them at the weekend. But cast come Saturday night now, and very very quickly in sport, Neil, you notice the coach. You can do all the good work, all the brilliant work that you've done the previous week, and come on done if psychologically you're not right and I think Caroline Currid um, we mentioned uh, uh, Ian Costello and Andy Kiriakou and Greg Oliver and, and the other people who helped but I think Caroline Currid's role in the last couple of weeks getting the players right mentally I think she's going to have a vital role this week in bringing them back down to earth as well she's had brilliant success she was there as a sports psychologist for a short period when I played obviously went off into GA um, left the Limerick Hurlers um, the incredible success they had. Um, and she's back with Monster. I think her role now this week is is absolutely vital in getting them mentally right for Saturday night against Cast. Yeah, completely. I just think, I think you've got to ride that crest of the wave. Uh, Quinny, if I'm coaching that group of players, you're continuing to talk about their confidence and, and I think, um, you know, we looked prime example 
2019 World Cup semi-final, England are probably playing the 80 minutes of their lives against New Zealand in the semi-final. It's very difficult to try and re- replicate that seven days later. I just think that these players, you you ride the crest, crested wave with these, these young guys. And then the, the group that are coming back in, you know, that they, there will be, you know, changes to this team. You, you know, you get them up in terms of that, you know, you, you flip it around and say, look, this we're, we're going on this momentum and um, and, and cask are a different kettle of fish. You know, they lost last weekend at home. Do they really care about this tournament now? You know, top 14 is all, you know, the French teams, the, the, the real grain French teams, that's all they want to win. You know, they, they just want to win the top 14 and, and Europe is very secondary to that. And so do they come over here now and, and be willing to, you know, play a second or third string team, you know, resting their players for, for their following week's league game. Um, it's hard to know really, but um yeah, I just think that them losing at home last week was a big um, faux pas for them, and and Munster might be able to to back to to get the the fruition of that in terms of um, I can't see them coming with a fully loaded team, to be honest. Yeah, this is a banana skin, Dawn. I hate banana skins. I hate them in sport. I'd rather be playing the favourites or or a team that are favourites to beat you. But they've got to deal with this now, and I think they're probably in a better position now, hopefully they will get some of the more uh, experienced players back and, and um, the guys who came back from South Africa I, I think, back into the team. And they've got to do that. I think, yeah. Um, ho- hopefully we can see, uh, you know, these young players now won't, it's going to be difficult because as I said, there's a load of guys who went to South Africa who were, were looking for opportunities and trying to play for Munster. Um, and I think, you know, getting getting players out in the field um, this week is is really important because casts are. You just don't know what a French side they've lost against Harlequins at the weekend. Um, if Munster can win, win on Saturday night at eight o'clock, you think casts are out of it then. Then it yeah. makes it a little bit easier. Even though we've a lot of history with casts over the years, it makes it a little bit easier going there in January to try and get a, a win there. And I if you could. If they if 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 they can if Munster win four out of four in this in this situation they're going to be in a great position uh, but it's a dangerous proposition Cass you know they could come to Tomlin Park and spoil a little bit it's not a party um, but they could kind of set things set you on the back foot again and that's really important that they're mentally right this week and enjoy the week as you said enjoy it sport is hard at times you can have disappointments enjoy the good moments. And I think they just got to get their heads right this week for a cast team who you just don't know what their approach will be. No, you don't, but you'll just definitely see changes. You know, asking the likes of Hodnett, Chris Farrell to play two weeks in a row, coming back from long-term injuries, probably won't do that. And then obviously Carberry's injury, that was definitely the one sour note from last weekend, I think. And hopefully it's not too serious, but when you don't really hear anything in the report, the Monday or whatever, you, you can't help but feel that there's something more ominous than what we saw. Um, but... Yeah, look, I do think there'll be changes. I think there'll be opportunities for for this group that we're isolating, maybe. Um, but also, you, you got to reward good performances too. And um, so it'll be re- it's a very difficult job for Van Grant. So hopefully, um, they get that balance right. Yeah, and I think some of them, obviously, um, just in summary, I think we're talking about all the young players here, um, what they did, and and it's incredible. And credit to them, they'll be re- they'll remember this for a long, long time. But Peter Omani, Tyburn, um, Andrew Conway, Earlsey, 
they were just brilliant. John Hodnett coming in there, you know, some of the big turnovers in, in the first half. So it, it bodes well for the future, and that's what people want. Whether we don't get, whether they win trophies or not, I think if you're doing it and you've seen some change and, and you get a bit excited about it, you probably still, you still have to deal with the disappointments, I think. But look, what's, what happened in the last couple of weeks and the weekend is kind of, it has that galvanizing effect you sense with Munster going forward. So we'll see what happens next week. That's uh, we're going to leave it there. That's the tenth episode of Red Seventy Eight. We'll be back next week with more an- analysis on that cast game. Hopefully, it's another good weekend and a great weekend that people can celebrate it in Thomond Park. Any thoughts on the weekend's performance? Uh, who stood out? What impact this game will have on the belief in Munster for the rest of the season? Um, let us know on tw- Twitter at Rugby Channel 15. You can tweet us or by leaving a comment wherever you're watching this across the Rugby Channel social media pages. Make sure to subscribe to the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next week. Well, thanks, Neve. Uh, it was a, a, a positive podcast this week. Um, it was a great yeah. week for Monster Rugby and, and hopefully it continues next week. The Monster Rugby Podcast, Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.